Welcome back to another episode of Project Freelance. How's it going, guys? My name is Kay Anagonio, and I am your host here on this podcast where every single week I bring you a different guest to talk about how they built their freelancing business. This week on the podcast, I am speaking with a music photographer who has gotten back into weddings and portrait photography because there are no shows right now. Her name is Caitlin Johnston, and I am very excited to have her on this podcast. We talk about music photography. We talk about portrait photography. We talk about talent buying. She's also a talent buyer, how she's pivoted during COVID, and we also talk about reptiles for a good five minutes. So if you guys are into any of those things, stick around. Before we get into the episode, there are a few things I need to let you know about. First of all, I would like to thank our partner on this show, Liquid Death Water. If you've never heard of Liquid Death Water, don't worry, because I've got an ad coming for you in three, two, one. From the streams of the Austrian Alps comes a new kind of water. A water that is sure to raise you from your grave. If you're tired of buying cases of plastic water bottles that contain carcinogens and God knows what else, or if you're trying to lower your waste footprint, Liquid Death comes in beautifully rugged aluminum cans. Murder your thirst with a can of Liquid Death. Check the link in the description and use code just the letter K at checkout for 10% off your order. Liquid Death. Murder your thirst. So yeah, if you guys want a discount on Liquid Death Water, use code just the letter K at checkout for 10% off. You can buy one case, you can buy 20 cases. I get a little bit of kickback from that, so I appreciate it ahead of time. Also, there are a bunch of links down in the description. They are Amazon affiliate links, so again, I get a little kickback from them. But there are things down there like camera gear, audio gear, gear for exploring abandoned places. If you're like me and you like to explore abandoned places, there's some gear down in the description that I think could help you out. Things like backpacks, lights camera gear, shoes, masks, things like that. And if you want to further support the podcast or any of my art, I'm a musician, I make YouTube videos, I'm on TikTok, I do all kinds of things, you can support me on patreon.com slash just the letter K. And lastly, if you guys would like to support me even further, I have a book out, a photography book called No Tracers, An Urban Explorer's Diary. Like I said, I explore abandoned places when I'm not freelancing. So I made a book about it full of photos and stories of my urban exploration missions. So if you guys want to get a copy of that or read my blog and see some of my abandoned photography, head to notracers.com for more information. And without further ado, Caitlin, could you please introduce yourself and what it is you do to the Project Freelance audience? I'm Caitlin Johnston. I'm a freelance photographer and I guess pre-COVID, I also was a talent buyer. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So how did you get into photography in the first place? Like what made you catch the bug for for taking photos? So I got into photography when I was eight, which sounds absolutely insane to say, but my dad bought like the original Canon EOS Rebel, whatever, um, right around my eighth birthday. And I decided that because he bought it by my birthday, it was mine, whether he liked it or not, Um, which he wasn't very stoked on because, you know, that's a lot of money to hand an eight-year-old and be like, okay, have fun. (laughs) But it uh, went from, like, taking pictures of, like, the family dog and my little sister to, like, actually taking pictures of people, which was really cool. So when was your first experience, like, 
photographing a human like what was that experience like what did you shoot and uh what did you gain from that um so it was absolutely terrifying (laughs) I was I want to say I was like 11 and my dad was like hey we need to do like work photos for where I work do you like want to use my camera and take them and I was like oh my god yeah like I'll be so great at that no I wasn't I was so awful at it um really exciting thing to get to do I hope they never actually use the photos and I hope they hired a professional after the fact um but you know I definitely learned a lot from it most of what I learned was that I didn't know what I was doing at the time but it was uh it was an experience to say the absolute least yeah, it sounds like you kind of got a trial by fire. You know, he just kind of threw you in the deep end. It was like, hey, we need to do this. So you're going to do it. And I think yeah, that you- that's amazing. You know, I think that's a great way to to kind of get into photography. I have a similar story. I started out, I took one photography course like at a local place. And next thing you know, the instructor was like, hey, I need an assistant. Come out and shoot photos of these sports cars with me. And I was like, I don't even know what an aperture is, but let's go. <laughs> You're like, yeah, do it. Okay, I press button, take pretty picture, yeah. (laughs) Yes, and yeah, it turned out like one of the photos actually ended up in a magazine. It was a photo of the photographer taking a photo of the car. But I mean, it was was a pretty cool experience. So uh, I love hearing about like the first time experiences. And as an 11-year-old, did you get paid for that gig or was that just something that your dad was like, you're doing this? I got like 20 bucks in a milkshake or something. Hey, I'd take 20 bucks in a milkshake any day. Yeah, honestly, like, I think he, like, took me to Steak and Shake after. Sick. And was like, you can get a large milkshake instead of a kid-sized milkshake. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, I love that. I love that. So going from there, when was your first, like, proper paid gig that was, like, more than 20 bucks in a milkshake? Like, that actually, like, I don't know, paid some bills for you or something like that? So around when I was, like, 13, 14, I met another local photographer in the area I grew up in. And funny enough, just like met him at like a 4th of July parade. He was shooting the parade for like the local uh, newspaper. And I was like, oh my God, like, what are you shooting with? Your camera looks really nice. Cause I was just like, it was like my first time seeing somebody like with a 7200 and like a professional body and all that stuff. And I was like, oh my God, it's so nice. And this man just like handed me his camera and was like, just shoot the rest of the parade, like have fun, whatever. And then after he looked at the pictures I took, he hit me up like, two months later and was like so do you want to be my assistant for weddings so I started shooting weddings with him um which was never like what I thought I was gonna like do because I don't know everyone always talks about weddings being stressful which they're not that bad I'm gonna be really honest but I started doing that so like around like 13 14 or so and started actually like getting paid for it and realizing that like maybe it was an actual job which was really cool wow that's amazing that you know you were so young but go ahead continue oh no I just it just went from there it was crazy how fast like everything happened from there because like I technically started my own company at 17 um but that was like kind of a wild ride because I had brain surgery when I was 17 and then immediately immediately after I was like so now I'm just gonna do this photo thing yeah and like you guys told me no because I just had brain surgery 
Like, who's going to look at me and be like, no, you're going to get a real job. They were just like, okay, honey, do what you want. Wow. just took off from there. Wow. That's, I love that you started so young, you know, like a lot of people don't start till they're in their like twenties or even their thirties or forties, you know, but like, I love that you, you started so young and your, your parents seemed to be pretty supportive of it. Um, what was it like for them to watch you fall in love with photography? I think my dad at times, it's a little jealous <laughs> that like I made it my job and he like works a normal job as a nurse. Um, not that he doesn't love his job or anything like that. Like he definitely loves what he does, but there's times that he's like, I could shoot a wedding with you sometime. Like, uh-huh. remember I taught you, but overall they've been pretty supportive of everything. Um, never, you know, like push the whole, like, maybe you should get a real job kind of thing on me. As long as, you know, like I wasn't asking them for money every week or something crazy. Um, but even like with the pandemic and everything right now, like when it started, um, they were really supportive of the fact that like my life ended when the world shut down in March. Whereas like none of my siblings did, my dad didn't like, so they were super supportive during that time as well. Just like knowing that because I have been not like professionally doing this since I was eight, but doing this since I was eight, I had nothing to fall back on Mm. when like the world just stopped. Man. And how did you navigate that during the pandemic? I know we're still in it. We just went into like our second harsh lockdown. We have like a three week stay at home order right now here in California. But what did you like? What did you do to keep yourself occupied during that time instead of just letting yourself fall into like depression like so many people did? Well, so the start of it, I drank a lot of wine and cried, uh, which sure. I feel like everyone did. <laughs> um, but like I mentioned before, I also do like talent buying and promoting. So at first it was, I was staying really busy because I was having to go through and cancel all these shows that I had booked for the whole summer. And it was like, at first we were canceling like, okay, this started in March. We'll cancel through, like we canceled through like June. And then we were like working on rescheduling everything. Because like when it started, we were all like, okay, it's going to be like six weeks. We'll all stay in our house. We'll be fine. God forbid people, you know, listen to that. That's not what happened. We all know that now at this point. Um, But like for the first couple of months, I was very focused on like, okay, how am I going to keep like my booking going? Where am I rescheduling people to? Like, how am I working with the venues that are staying open? And then the longer we went into it, like the more I was like, okay, like everything's canceled. I'm not rescheduling a single thing until I know it's safe. Because the last thing I want is to host an event that's not safe and someone gets sick or get a family member sick or anything like that. Like, I literally wouldn't be able to live with myself. So then when that happened and that was, like, also about the time that I was, like, oh, my God, I'm running out of my savings. Mm. I started working, like, COVID elopements, as people are calling them now. <laughs> um, where it's, like, people who were supposed to have these giant weddings that suddenly are getting married in their backyard with their mom and dad there. Um, so like I started doing a lot of those where they were all like super socially distanced event, like wore a mask the whole time and stuff like that. And sort of like easing my way back into like portraits and stuff like that, instead of working in music, like I was up until this point. Um, because like last year I was touring with bands. I was working music festivals. Like I didn't have time for portraits and weddings the same way I did or I do now. 
and so I was like kind of just like threw myself head first back into like weddings and portraits um which was like kind of depressing but also like really refreshing at the same time because I didn't realize that I had gotten like I don't want to say like lazy because that wasn't what it was but I got like comfortable in what I was doing working concerts and like walking into the first wedding like during COVID and realizing that like I was so out of my comfort zone it was really fun to like challenge myself in that way again and then like as restrictions in Ohio kind of lifted for a while and like bigger ish weddings were happening for a minute um so I worked like two like normal size not like okay so it wasn't like normal size like 100 plus people it was like less than 50 but still like a wedding it wasn't like like it didn't feel weird outside of everyone wearing masks and that like kind of got me back in the swing of like life in general and I also started teaching my boyfriend how to second shoot with me because it makes my life so much easier if I could just have him come work with me versus having to find someone else and arrange their schedule around when I would need them hmm. That's been really fun, just, like, teaching him how to use a camera. I love that. I love that you're trying to take him into your world. Yeah, he picked up on it really quick. He shot his first wedding with me, I think it was, like, three weeks ago. And, like, he killed it. I was actually, like, a little jealous. (laughs) Like, I don't know. I didn't pick up on it that fast. So the fact that he did was, like, I don't know. It's not fair. But (laughs) I feel you. (laughs) I feel you. Um, so tell me a little bit more about your, your concert life. Like when did you first start shooting shows? What was your first show and how did you go about getting your first press passes? So I started getting into like shooting local gigs, um, around like 17 or 18. Cause I had a bunch of friends in like local bands around Chicago and stuff like that, uh, which is where I grew up and it would just be like, they'd let me in if I would shoot their band. Um, cause I had no idea how to shoot in low light at that point in time, like period. It was terrifying. Um, but my first show I ever shot was, oh my God, it was Carousel Kings, Freshman 15, Survey Says, and somebody else that I don't remember the name at Penny Road Pub in Barrington, Illinois, which is like a literal grimy dive bar, like the basement of it. It always smells like stale beer and pee. Um, it's just like one of those, like it belongs in Guitar Hero kind of <laughs> venues. Um, and it was an awful time, but also really cool because like my friend's band opened up that night, um, acoustically and I got to hang out with them. And then like, uh, the guys in survey says are still in a band, like a new band now. And like, it's that relationship lasted throughout the years. Like I still actively work with them. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's super rad. And I like as a fellow concert photographer, like I love hearing how people got into their first shows and it's just it's always a different story, you know, and everyone's got their own experience with it. So I like to ask people like, you know, how they got into their first show just because a lot of people listen to the show and they're wondering, like, how do I get into concert photography? You know, and a lot of times what I tell people is you have to find a local venue that's smaller that will just let you walk in with your camera because that's, oh, the, yeah. I mean, that's how I started. You know, I, I lived in Perth, Australia for a year and that's where I started doing concert photography and literally most of the venues you could just walk in with a, with a camera and they wouldn't say anything to you. They'd just be like, go have a good time. Enjoy. 
you know? And, and so I think that's the best way to get into it. And I mean, for like, I'm sure you've, you've shot warp tour before, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. So like my experience shooting warp tour the first time I literally emailed, I found Kevin Lyman's email somewhere online, shot him an email. I was like, Hey, I'd love to come shoot a show. I just moved back to America. How do I get a press pass? And Kevin was just like, yeah, come to a show, whatever show you want. Just shoot me an email with the dates and, and you're more than welcome. And so like, Oh my God, I did like the exact same thing for my first warp tour. <laughs> I love it. And it was like wild. Cause I thought that the email was totally fake. Cause it was like at AOL. And I was like, no one uses <laughs> AOL anymore. This can't be it. Oh God. That's amazing. I love it. And yeah, it, it was totally an AOL account. Like it's because Kevin's been around forever since AOL, you know, so it makes sense. Right. No, it was like emailing him, like aged both myself and him a lot in that moment. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so going more into like talent buying stuff, can you talk about that process? Like, how do you find the bands? Do the bands find you? Like, tell me the process of being a talent buyer. For sure. So, um, I kind of inherited a company, um, a little over a year ago now called out of context um it's chicago based my one of my best friends uh started it from the ground like four years ago and then she was offered um a bigger job in new york working with an agency so she moved and it was handed down to me and my best friend michelle who like had been working with out of context for a while already but like not to the same extent that nina was obviously at the time um and so i guess like the way like booking the show and the talent buying works really depends on the situation of the show. Um, the first show I ever personally booked, the venue was like, Hey, we have this date in two weeks that we need filled. Um, we'd like to announce it in four days, fill it. And I was like, Oh, Oh, okay. That's fine. I can, I can do, do that. Yeah. Okay. And um, moral of the story is, is I could do it, but it wasn't easy. Um, but I spent, like, I was leaving for tour that day, too, so I spent, like, an entire seven-hour car ride just, like, dry emailing bands, being like, hey, was offered a show this day, let me know if you're free, thanks, Caitlin, to, like, literally every local band in the city of Chicago that I knew, which is not how we normally do things by any means, but uh, desperate times come for call for desperate measures, I guess. Uh, but normally like when a band's going on tour, uh, they'll reach out to us or their agent will. And we kind of like negotiate as far as like, they'll like send us like, um, wow, I just forgot every word I ever spoke in my life. <laughs> it's okay. It happens to me too. <laughs> <laughs> I like looked over and my snake was doing things and then all the words were gone. Oh, side tangent. You have a snake. What kind of snake? So I bought her today. Oh, congratulations. She is, yes. She's an albino milk snake. Her name is Ooh. Strawberry Milk Snake. Yes. <laughs> um, I love her very much. And she just climbed something. And I got really excited seeing her being active. Oh, man. That's and amazing. it was just one of those things where I saw it happen. And I lost every thought that I've ever had in my life. Because all I could think about was, wow, she's so cute. <laughs> you know, I am a avid reptile collector myself. I've got three lizards right now. I also have a praying mantis. And uh, I love albinos more than anything. Like, I have literally had a thing for albinos since I was little. I had an albino Burmese python when I was five. Ooh. 
Oh, my mom made me get rid of it because it was like 17 feet long or something crazy. (laughs) And she like just gave birth to my little sister. And she was like, it's eating things the size of your sister. (laughs) And like, she wasn't wrong. It was. Um, But I don't know if you asked five-year-old me, I probably would have picked my snake over my sister. (laughs) Um, 24-year-old me, I honestly would probably still pick the snake over my sister, but that's fine. (laughs) oh my god amazing my boyfriend and I suddenly got on a reptile kick this year because uh one of my new personality traits during COVID is that I became a plant lady Mm. so I bought like 64 plants in like five months because I have no self-control and one of them um there was a lizard egg in and it just kind of hatched wow so we have a baby brown anole cute that She's uh like four weeks old now. She is very cute. Her name is Nola, but like that just sent me back down the reptile rabbit hole. Oh yeah. So today we were like getting things for her at the store and I saw strawberry and I was like, well, I'm getting a snake. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So now we have a snake. I love it. I took my partner to go get like crickets and stuff for, she has like seven reptiles and a ball python and uh, she was like, I kind of want to get a chameleon. I was like, you have to get a chameleon. I've had a panther chameleon and they are so fun and so pretty. I've uh, wanted one for so long. They're so God. cool. They are so cool. I used to feed mine by hand. He passed away earlier this year, but like, Aww. oh my goodness. What an amazing, his name was Rango after Rango, the animated movie, of course. God, I love him. <laughs> I don't, I never knew him, but I love him. <laughs> yeah, right. That's what I'm saying. I'm so sorry for your loss. It's I'm okay. like sad yeah. for you right yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was like five, you know, they don't, they only live to be like five or six and he, he, you know, right. he ran his course. He was a good little fella, but yeah. So anyway, now that we've uh, talked about lizards for a couple lizards and reptiles, <laughs> welcome to the podcast, everybody. This is how we podcast. We just talk about whatever happens. Love it. So yes, talent buying. Um, I, I've always been fascinated with that as somebody that's in like two bands as like, how do we get on a show? Like, and so you were, you were talking about how, you know, uh, you would cold basically cold call e- by email bands and yeah. get them to like play shows. I think that's super interesting. Yeah. So we have, um, we didn't do it this year because COVID, uh, but we have like a Google form that we share around like our local Facebook groups for the music scene every year. Um, just to update like the bands that we see, like and hear about because like Chicago has a really big scene it's really hard to keep track of everybody um there was a point in time that I thought I knew almost every local band turns out I knew like five people and they were just all in the same bands (laughs) um but yeah so we like have this google form that we like post around and we ask like your genre a streaming link your social media pages and um an email for you so that when like we get an email from an agent of someone on tour. We just like go through that list and find like first narrow it down to like what genres fit. And then we go through and like listen to their songs on Spotify or whatever that Bandcamp, Apple music depends on the day, depends on the length. Um, and just kind of like match things that sound right. Or like are in the same, like similar like vibe kind of thing. Um, and then go through and like, check out when their last show was in the city and like how the Facebook event did, even though 
I mean, you're in a band, you know, Facebook event numbers don't match what attendance matches, but it gives you an idea. Um, my favorite thing Nina ever taught me when we were taking over the thing was if you want to see how much a band draws in a city, you go to their Spotify and look at their top cities and like whatever the streaming amount is in the city you're trying to book them in, they'll draw maybe 10% of their streaming number. Oh, wow. So like if you like pull up somebody and they stream, like they have a hundred listeners in Chicago, they're probably reliable for 10 tickets. Wow. That's so fascinating. It it's like been, it's proven true. Pretty accurate. Like pretty much all the time. The only time it gets a little different is if it's like an EP release show or anything like that. Mm. Um, Just because like more family and friends tend to come out for that than just like casual music scene people. Right. Um, yeah, no, that was a really interesting thing that she taught us. I was like, that doesn't seem like it would work. And then the first time I did it and it, like, came true at a show, I was like, oh, my God. Like, that was magic. Wow. So I am just pulled up my Spotify artist page just out of curiosity for my solo music. And uh, Russia just recently got Spotify, which I think is so cool. And uh, one of my top cities is Moscow. And so that that's exciting. That makes me want to go international, like, ASAP. <laughs> I love that. You must go tour Russia right now. Yeah. Well, not yeah. right now. <laughs> right, now. Uh, immediately. right now. I mean, immediately post COVID, you must go tour Russia. Yeah. Oh, uh, speaking of like post COVID, are you guys already talking like plans for, for post COVID? Like what's going to happen? Because I mean, some people are speculating that people aren't really going to go to shows and some people are speculating that it's going to be out of control. Like everybody's going to get booked for everything all the time. There's going to be a million shows. So Michelle and I talk about it a lot. Um, kind of our, I guess talk about it a lot is a really loose term. We talked about it a lot at the start of COVID. Um, we haven't talked about music or shows in a hot minute besides like talking about Grammys and new releases, but that's mm-hmm. different. Um, like we don't plan on having a show until we would both feel comfortable being at a show. Um, even after like the world opens up, we don't want to put people at risk. So until we know, um, like until we see the results of shows happening and stuff like that, we're going to kind of like lay low for a little bit. Um, I have an autoimmune disease. So like, that's a big factor in it. It's mm-hmm. just that like, we want to, be as safe as possible and if I'm not comfortable like I don't want to put somebody else at risk potentially or anything like that um but from the way that Chicago seems um we're kind of expecting shows to just kind of like pop off when they do come back um there have been a couple venues who uh aren't following state regulations unfortunately around us and they have had some shows that, you know, kind of went off. Um, very unfortunately, all things considered right now. But I do think that gives us, like, a good idea of what to expect after. If people are, in cases like this, willing to go risk it all for a cover band, um, I think we're going to see good attendance once shows come back, awesome. as long as they feel safe. Yeah, definitely. 
and like I'm super looking forward to that. Like I haven't been to I mean, who's been to a show since, you know, whenever, but I mean, like I got oh, to go to I got to go to a Slaves live stream show and I got to go see the Red Jumpsuit Apparatus. They did a live stream show and I filmed behind the scenes for for both of those shows and my my own band played a live stream as well. So I mean, I've been to like three concerts in the past 9 months, which is so sad, but I like I'm so grateful that I've had the opportunity to like go see a show even if it is just me and three other people in the room with the band oh yeah but it's like uh, so cool i have a live stream i'm going to uh to do photos my boyfriend's band has a live stream for his release he just was an ep a couple weeks ago or not even a couple weeks ago he released an ep on friday wow time moves really slow (laughs) um but they're doing a ep release live stream in a venue here in columbus and uh like, I think I'm just going to, like, lay on the floor and cry hearing right. live music. Right. Because, <laughs> like, the last time I went to a show was literally the night that things were closing. And, like, before COVID, I spent, like, half my time in Chicago and half my time in Columbus. And I was in Columbus when, like, all the COVID restrictions and lockdowns started. And um, our friends in Glacier Veins were on tour at the time. And they're from, like, oh, my God, where are they from? I think they're from, like, Seattle or something like that. Um, So, like they were all the way across the country from where they needed to be. So they were like, okay, we're going to play our show in Columbus and then just like drive home and get home as fast as possible. So Jake like hopped on that show acoustic. And that was my last like music experience before like this live stream in a week. And that was, I think it was like March 9th. Wow. So it's been, um, what feels like years. Yeah. Literally, I I feel the same way. I feel like it's been years since we had a proper, with a crowd, live show. And like right before COVID hit, I uh, went on tour with a band called Red Handed Denial from Toronto, Canada. Uh, They did their first West Coast tour. And I've been friends with their vocalist for, I don't know, like seven years because of YouTube covers that we do. And uh, so I got to go on tour with them. And right after that, like everything shut down. And man, it's like, it's just been like you said, it, it feels like it's been years and it sucks, but I mean, you know, we're going to, we're going to get through this and it's going to pass. And I think, like you said, I think shows are going to pop off and people are going to be more excited than ever and more grateful than ever for shows. Oh yeah. Cause I think like, it sounds rude to say, but I feel like the fact that like in major cities, especially you could go to a show any night, like I know for a fact I took that for granted and I'm sure there's a ton of other people who feel the same way. Like there were times I used to dread like having to go to a show. Right. Yeah. And now I'm like, Oh my God, I'll go to three shows in one night. Please just (laughs) give me a show. Yes. Oh my God. I feel the same exact way. So, uh, let me, I'm going to ask you this question and some people don't like to answer it, but you know, it's, it's a question. So have you ever been screwed over? Yes. Tell me more. Countless times. <laughs> um, so, God, I'm just trying to decide what story to tell. Um, I mean, like, money-wise, it happens a lot in this yeah. industry, as I'm sure you probably are well aware. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a band that still owes me upward of a couple thousand dollars. Yikes. Um, that I've basically just come to a conclusion that I'm never going to see. Um you know, it'd be really sick if I did see it randomly one day, but you know, like it's in the past now, I guess, but I did uh, a full EP branding for them, did cover it for them, 
took photos of them in a recording studio, did multiple YouTube videos and a promo session and two shows and just never got paid for any of it. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Don't work for your friends. Amen. Because they're probably not actually your friends. Amen. You're you're telling that is preaching to the choir. <laughs> oh yeah, that was the biggest lesson I've ever learned. Was like, hey, you might think they're your friends. They're not. Damn. They definitely just want you to do things, and then just they're gonna not be your friend anymore. But exactly. that's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> Everything is awesome. It's all on fire. Everything's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah i am literally that picture of the dog sitting in the yes. burning living room drinking coffee saying this is fine like that is me every day of my life uh, right oh god i can relate i can totally relate um have you ever had any internships or have you ever been a mentor for anybody um i technically have an intern slash mentor right now um but i actually haven't done anything with her because covid right so you know uh I feel kind of bad because I was like yeah like we'll do this stuff this year and uh that started in February Mm. so that you know kind of can tell you how much has actually happened for sure besides just like texting about things right Um, but besides that not really well hey that's that's all good I mean I I have the same kind of similar story you know I I found this guy and I really want him to like mentor me and we wanted to do all this stuff together and then COVID. So, I mean, that's, yeah. Uh, yeah. It is what it that's is. Kind of the motto of 2020. This year. Yep. It is what it is. Um, and then yeah. who are some of your influences as far as like photography goes or anything creative? Like it could be a videographer. Uh, who are some of your influences? Um, so as far as like outside of music goes, uh, the person I look up to the most in like the wedding photography world, her name I'm not I'm gonna butcher her last name. I'm sure I'm gonna be really embarrassed about it, but her name's like Lauren Lavaria, Lavaria, something like that. I probably said that wrong. I'm very sorry, Lauren. Um, but she runs a company with her boyfriend or her, her husband now actually called Lauren and Nick Photography, and they specialize in like fairy tale weddings. Ooh, and it is all I ever want to be in my life. Like, she is a walking Disney princess, and all of her pictures look like they came out of Disney fairy tales. Wow. And I don't know how she does it, but if I could pay her to teach me everything she knows, like, I would just, like, give her my bank account. <laughs> she should do, um, like, a like an e-learning course, like an online course about how she does her Literally, stuff. I would pay her so much money. Dude. She's also, like, the nicest person ever. Like, we're friends on Facebook, and, like, we talk a lot, and she'll, like, send me things she's working on to, like, show me them. And I'm like, oh my God, just like show me, like actually show me how you do it. Cause I want to be you in the least creepy way possible. <laughs> I love that. Um, and then there's also a company called Fire and Ice Photography. They're in England, I believe. Um, and it's a husband and wife, wife company. They do portraits and weddings and they're amazing. And they do like, um, they sell like presets and they sell like tutorials and stuff like that. And I learned a lot from them. Uh, when I was starting and I'm still in a lot of their Facebook groups and just look up to them a lot. Um, as far as like music photography goes, um, it sounds really weird to say, but like a lot of the biggest people that I look up to are like my friends in Mm. the scene. Um, Rob Haberman is a photographer from Chicago and I love that man to death. And then some, um, I call him my dad. He's my photo dad. (laughs) 
Um, and also just like genuinely one of my best friends. And then like, um, Anam, uh, what's her last name? Merchant, I think. Uh, there's a girl named Penelope from Chicago who's absolutely amazing. And I had the, I got to work with her a lot, uh, with a band called Marina City a few years back. Um, those are the ones that like come to mind first that like I've always just looked up to with my work. I love that. I love that you've got like a couple different people that you look up to. And I love that you've got somebody in your wedding world and a couple people in the music world as well. Rob's awesome. I, I love that guy. He's super talented. and Literally, I love him so much. I talk to him daily. And it's like never about anything. It's just to talk to him because I love him that much. <laughs> That's awesome. And then uh, so to wrap things up, I've got one more question for you. And that is what is something you know now? that you wish you knew when you started always take the money first yeah none of this like they'll pay you later thing like that never happens mm. also always have a fucking contract yeah. true true <laughs> would have saved myself a lot of stress if i just had someone sign a piece of paper sometimes yeah absolutely Cool. So if uh, people want to follow you, follow your journey, find your work, hire you after COVID or, you know, just if they have more questions for you and want to pick your brain, how can they find you? Um, all of my social media accounts are Caitlin J photo. Um, I spell Caitlin weird. Apparently I was informed that. So it's K A I T L Y N. Um, I thought that was normal, but I guess it's not. Uh, but my website's the same thing. And so is my email address. So that's, about the only way to get a hold of me because I don't answer my phone. <laughs> All right, guys, that was my episode with Caitlin Johnston Photo. Thank you, Caitlin, for coming on the podcast and sharing your insights and your tips and talking about your reptiles with me for like five minutes. That was awesome. <laughs> if you guys enjoyed this episode of Project Freelance, please be sure to leave a rating and feedback. And if you do, take a screenshot and send it to me at Project Freelance, either on Twitter or Instagram, and I will send you a signed photo print to say thank you for doing that. I appreciate you guys listening continuously every single week. Sorry, last week's episode was a little late. It came out on Wednesday instead of Monday, and that's uh, my own fault. I forgot to upload it, so yeah, sorry about that. But usually these come out Mondays at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, just in time for your Monday morning commute, even though right now we don't have Monday morning commutes. But regardless, thank you for listening. I'll talk to you next week. Pick up a case of liquid death water. Link's down in the description. And stay strong, keep enduring, go out, and go create something.